Christ Church, New Malden, 31st of January 2021. Stephen Kurt speaking on Building Back Better, Giving Worth to the Vulnerable. Well, with the COVID pandemic at its absolute worst in terms of infection and saddest of all, in terms of deaths, it may seem a strange time to be reflecting on the good that has come with it. But I hope that for people listening to this service, your awareness of the awfulness of coronavirus and the devastation that it's brought has, like me, been accompanied by fresh experiences of seeing people making a difference by caring for the lives of others. So in the last few weeks, we've particularly seen people, including people from Christchurch, driving their older neighbours to the centres where they can have their vaccinations done, getting them there and making sure they know what to do when they arrive. But this sort of care during the pandemic is nothing new. Long before the vaccine arrived, people were popping around on those same neighbours to check if they were okay for food or for other supplies, or ringing them up just to see how they were doing. Local people have volunteered to organise and deliver food for people that they don't know personally, but whom they know are vulnerable. And of course, all of this is against the background of those absolute heroes in the NHS and elsewhere working around the clock and putting their lives on the line for the sake of others. It's utterly inspiring, even if the context is so tragic and upsetting. But it also points us to something really crucial about our Christian faith, which is that we're never demonstrating more fully that we belong to Jesus Christ than when we care for those who are vulnerable. That's the basis of that passage we had read, which spoke about the Son of Man coming in his glory, and separating the peoples one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. The image comes from what shepherds would have to do at the end of a day's grazing, with the goats being less hardy than the sheep, needing greater protection from the cold at night time, hence their separation. People would have been used to the sight of this happening, but in this passage Jesus is using such a division of the sheep and the goats as an image of judgment. And the basis of this judgment is how those people have treated those amongst them who are vulnerable, those who were hungry or thirsty or strangers, those needing clothes or sick or imprisoned. And the most startling part of the passage is where Jesus says to the people being judged that whatever they did or didn't do for the least of these brothers of mine, they did or didn't do for him. Jesus, in other words, is so identified with these vulnerable people at the point of their greatest vulnerability that our response to these vulnerable people is our response to him. It is startling, and to be honest, something that would probably have made much greater sense for the early Christians than it does for us. And that's because of something that we've got used to, but they hadn't yet namely the totally radical claim that the God who made the universe had come into the world in the form of a crucified criminal, suffering the lowest and most despised form of death and degradation that was possible for any human being to endure. You see, we've got so used to the Christian story, and specifically Jesus dying on a cross, that we often fail to realise how this belief turned every single assumption that people had about human value and worth completely on its head. 
In the Greco-Roman world, weakness and vulnerability, and everyone representing these things, was basically despised. That's why slaves had no rights whatsoever. That's why women could and were treated so appallingly. That's why unwanted or disabled babies were left by roadsides to die, with no one giving them a second thought. Life in the Roman Empire was all about advancement through a system of patrons and clients with dignity and value exclusively associated with wealth, power and success and showing off these things. Virtue was spoken about by philosophers like Aristotle, but things like humility and care for the vulnerable, virtues that we take for granted today, had no place in these schemes because they didn't make any sense. And then into that world came this strange bunch of people called Christians who believed that God and the fullness of his glory had been revealed in a Jewish nobody living in an obscure corner of the Roman Empire who'd been stripped naked and then tortured to death in the most shameful, humiliating and grotesque manner possible. That's why St Paul spoke to the church at Corinth of the message of a crucified Messiah being foolishness to the Greeks. For the surrounding culture, with all of its assumptions about status and worth, it was bizarre to the point of stupid to believe that the God who created the whole universe had been revealed in this way. And Paul says in that letter to the church at Corinth that it went against every assumption that that culture had about wisdom. And the Jewish people weren't much better. Isaiah had spoken about a suffering servant and Daniel had spoken about a son of man coming on the clouds of heaven to receive honour and glory. But no one had thought of putting those images together in a crucified carpenter revealing God himself coming to save his people. The Jewish law indeed had said that anyone hung on a tree was under God's curse, meaning that the message of a crucified Messiah wasn't just, Paul says, foolishness to the Greeks. It was a stumbling block for the Jews. Something, in other words, that went against just about every assumption about God that they possessed. And yet, for the vulnerable and the despised and the powerless, it was a wonderful message because of the dignity that it gave to their position. Not only because God's glory had been supremely revealed in the crucified Jesus, but because of what happened next, as through the resurrection and ascension of Jesus, God declared that this crucified nobody was Lord of the world. That's what that passage from Philippians was talking about. And this, of course, tallied with the attitude that Jesus had shown towards the vulnerable and the nobodies during his earthly ministry and the totally countercultural love and compassion that he showed them. One of the books that I've read in the last six months or so is a book called Dominion by a historian called Tom Holland. Holland, who's basically an ancient historian, isn't really coming from a faith perspective himself, but much to the horror of secularists, he has argued that just about all of the values that we take for granted today in the Western world, particularly in regard to the value and worth of those uh, who are vulnerable, those values come from Christianity and wouldn't have developed without it. People may have abandoned the beliefs that produced these values, Holland argues, but these values which turned the world upside down remain embedded within Western culture and form the basis of how we believe that those who are vulnerable should be treated. Now, it doesn't mean, of course, 
that these values are implemented with any consistency. But unlike pre-Christian times, Holland says, no one today can now say that these things don't matter. It's a fascinating thesis, and one that should perhaps open our eyes more fully to how important it is that we as Christians care for those who are vulnerable. Because as people who still do believe in the Christian beliefs that prompted such values about God being supremely revealed in the crucified Jesus, we as the church should be at the absolute forefront of such care for the vulnerable. That, as I say, is the reason that Jesus in that passage from Matthew 25 identifies his followers' response to him so closely with their love and care for the vulnerable amongst them. The two things go completely together. And so as we reflect on building back better when Christchurch is relaunched at some point, hopefully in 2021, how can we make sure that we really do build back better in terms of our care for the vulnerable and the worth that we give them? It's by building further a community that's for everyone with a particular bias towards caring for those who are vulnerable. That passage in Matthew singles out those who are hungry, thirsty, badly clothed, ill or imprisoned. But this list can be extended to include those who are depressed, those who are being treated unfairly, those who are unemployed or marginalised because of their race, beliefs, culture or lifestyle. An authentic church will be actively seeking to include and care for all of these people as the foremost sign of our love for Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of such care already goes on. One of the greatest privileges of being vicar at Christchurch is seeing the support and love that's extended to people when they run into hard times. We've had some fantastic examples of this recently, as members of Christchurch have faced very significant challenges in terms of, for instance, their health. Prayer chains have been established, flowers and food have been delivered, and God's love shown in really amazing ways. But our calling is to seek to constantly extend that care so that it reaches more and more people beyond the church's present members as well. This last Friday, I took the funeral of Peter Knight. Peter was a lovely, kind and funny man who came along to Grapevine, our monthly lunch club. He hardly ever missed. He also came to Grapevine Extra, the Bible study and discussion group that meets in normal times, again monthly, at Christchurch. Peter had a really tough life, including terrible experiences as a child when he was in what was meant to be care. And the damage from that never really left him. He was always, to be honest, a bit puzzled by Christianity when we discussed its stories and beliefs at Grapevine Extra. But he also knew that this bunch of Christians whom he'd met through Grapevine loved him. And the turning point here was really around a decade ago when he had a spell in Kingston Hospital and was visited there by some of the leaders of Grapevine. The thing that Peter couldn't get over was being cared for by people whom he hardly knew. He was equally touched, as many members of Grapevine are, to be welcomed so fully into Christchurch and to be regarded as part of its community. And it was this that over the next decade revealed to Peter that there was a God who also loved him, who believed that he mattered and was deserving of dignity and love. 
And a big part of the vision for Building Back Better at Christchurch is that we seek to be ever-extending this kind of care. That's the vision behind the community cafe that we established during the time before COVID. That's the vision behind our widows group, Half Shares, much of our midweek youth work that Nathan Larkin runs, the winter night shelter, and of course all of those ways in which you as members of Christchurch care for your neighbours in all of the ways that I mentioned earlier. And we do want to be ever-expanding this work. So if you have a heart for a particular grouping that are vulnerable, for people, say, struggling with addiction, for people struggling with work difficulties, or whatever it might be, do come and see me or make contact with me or another member of the team to talk about how God might be wanting us to build this into our ministry towards those who are vulnerable. Becky Mills will have more to say about this next week. And of course, it's not about treating people as victims, but about reflecting the dignity that they possess because of this radical reversal that God brings of the last becoming first and the first becoming last. This dignity brought to the vulnerable and our calling to express this is all based on worshipping the one who in the words of Paul in his letter to the Philippians, that passage that we had read earlier, the one who being in very nature God made himself nothing, who humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus humbled himself for us in the fullest way possible and therefore, that passage says, God exalted him to the highest place. When we worship that same Jesus Christ, it should transform our attitude towards those who are vulnerable, just as much as it did to those early Christians astounded by the way that God had revealed himself to them. See clearly what the God who created the universe became in Jesus Christ for us, the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me, as Paul says in his letter to the Galatians. And we'll see Jesus more and more in those vulnerable people of all kinds that we encounter. And we'll be absolutely certain that our care, love and compassion for them is the most authentic expression possible of our worship of Jesus himself.